welcome, welcome. I'm Johnny DeStanton. We have Reginald Perryman, Shaka Williams. We are Tasari, and this is the There's Something About Real Estate podcast where we talk all things real estate. And today we have with us Brian Knuth, financial planner. And you're going to tell us a little bit about your story, your background, and how you got started, some interesting things. Well, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly try, yes. Um, so, again, my name is Brian Knute. I am a fully licensed financial advisor. Uh, I've been doing it for over 33 years now. Um, I focus in the area of comprehensive financial planning. I've uh, got licensed as a securities advisor, Series 7, Series 66, uh, 63, life accident health, variable annuities, I also did additional training uh, to get a designation with the College of Financial Planning as a, uh, in a uh, college um, cert, uh, chartered retirement planning counselor. Perfect. So my focus is really helping people advance through life and achieve the things that they're trying to in, in retirement, send their kids to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and my focus has really been in education uh, of other advisors and so forth. So while... Working in a personal practice, I also work with advisors in training and recruiting to help them advance and, and serve the general public. Cool. All right. So that's that brings us to the real estate portion because a lot of real estate investors, professionals, don't have like a real plan for retirement. Everybody think, oh, I'm going to have 100 properties mm-hmm. and just collect rent when I'm 85. But, yeah, that's what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to manage them? You right. Know. Not, not just the investors, but the realtors, everybody yeah. in real estate, almost any, all the self-employed people right. in real estate um, definitely need to hear what you have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, you know, real estate is a phenomenal investment. Um, and I I was talking to Reginald earlier. Um, I believe in the blessing of and Versus the curse of or. Because sometimes people get stuck in, it's going to be this or it's that. It's like, it's the only choice. Right. you got to go real estate or you got to go investment. Right. Or, uh, securities, whether they're stocks, mutual funds, what have you. It can be and. And right. I think a well-balanced portfolio that includes all of that, because there's pros and cons of everything. Mm-hmm. There's pros and cons of real estate. There's pros and cons of investments. And it's got to be to each person's standard or appetite for their achievement, their goal, their desires, and so forth. And, and to make blanket statements on you got to do this, I, I think is irresponsible. Every person is individual. Every goal and dream is individual. And you need to serve to that goal and not make blanket assumptions mm-hmm. and, and uh, tell them <clears throat> that everybody should do it a particular way. Right. And there's a great similarity and parallel between you as real estate agent and, and myself as a financial advisor. I know this because my wife is a real estate agent. <laughs> and just seeing the whole process of trying to acquire listings or get buyers and take them through the process for their dream of making a purchase of one of the the largest purchase more than likely in their life. Right. And that whole process is almost exact to how we work and through the process of working with clients to help them achieve their dream of how they're going to live. Mm -hmm. So um, as self-employed, understanding what's available to you and us um, is extraordinarily important in 
adjusting whether it's real estate and how is that going to fit in and what are all the tax benefits and income benefits right. along with the expense and time. It's got to be molded individually. So, Yeah, I feel like the key you said was diversify. You right. know what I mean? So you don't have to be necessarily in real estate or in uh, stock. Right. You should probably be in a little bit of both and some, yeah. right? Right. Yes. So there's some like some real estate gurus that they're like, oh, the stock market is a gamble. It's like mm-hmm. one big casino. Mm-hmm. But then they're telling you, oh, you should never own a home. You should just rent homes. Mm-hmm. It's like, that don't make sense. Well, it might for some people. But I mean, you're telling people to stay out of the stock market Never buy a home and just rent properties. Where's the wealth building in there? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot of bad advice out there. There is. And and you got to be able to, you know, weed through that. But you also need to develop a relationship with whomever you're working to guide you through that. Right. Because money's going to move in your life, either towards you or away from you because of life events. Life events are always happening, right? Right. Birth. Death, marriage, divorce, promotion, demotion, career change, whatever. As these things happen, one is either moving towards you or away from you. And you either need to capture what's coming or prevent what's going away. Right. That gives you choice. Because at the end of the day, I don't believe any of us work for money. Okay. We work for what money provides us in right. lifestyle, mm-hmm. in what we provide for our children, for our legacy. It's just a means to an end. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so I, I know that might sound a little shocking, but no, that makes if sense. you think about it, at the end of the day, how big your stack of cash is versus the next person is irrelevant because how you live is different than how they live. Right. And it should be adjusted accordingly. So somebody with a bunch of money, but they're not enjoying it versus somebody that has half of that, but they're enjoying it and having mm-hmm. fun in life and Amen. providing for their family. They're yeah. not stingy with it. They probably have a better quality of life. Right. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes sense. That's right. So I have a question. And t- sure. for real estate agents, what do you think are like some of the top ideas or tools that we can use for, you know, planning our financial life? Yeah. So um, I, I, you've got some great tools. I, I, I know uh, the firm in which you work for, the broker that you work with, they've got some phenomenal, the books that have been written, right. uh, the million dollar uh, real estate agent, Vold right. um, class, and so those are phenomenal tools because they help keep you focused on what it is, and even it's just sharpening the saw. I mean, right. I know all of you have been in the business for a while and you're very successful, but you know, sometimes you've got to recharge your batteries or, or go back and say, I, I, I'm I've got a flat spot. I need to round it out, right? Right. But in addition to that, surrounding yourself with the right people, um, whether that's uh, financial advisors, um, self-plug, right? Right. Uh, But, you know, building wealth is more than just about the growth of it because at some point there needs to be a distribution of it. And that strategy is not the same. So the tool that you use to acquire the wealth having a financial plan, having a trust, having insurance in place to protect the inevitable or the uncertainties in life that always pop up. What can you do to protect that and replace those instances that are going to happen? So there are plenty of tools that allow you to organize and manage. One that we utilize is called eMoney. It's a, it's an interactive um, uh, website that we provide our 
our clients with, that we can communicate with, that also you put your business in to track expenses and track uh, the right. growth of your estate and aggregate all your assets and so forth so you can see progress and you right. can see the impact of things of what, what would have the what if scenarios in life of inflation right. or uh, an illness or a death or you know any of those things that would happen how would that impact what I'm trying to do for me and my family right so um, CPAs attorneys those are all people that you should have on your team at, right. at some uh, at some stage to help bring their expertise to keep more of what you acquired and make sure that if there's a choice between you and your family and legacy versus you and Uncle Sam, <laughs> I think we usually know right. who the choice is there. Right. The default, many, which many people use, is Uncle Sam or the state. Right. And that's unfortunate. You can, you can change a life. Right. But if you choose not to do and put the things in place, uncle's going to get it. And when he does, he's not, he, he doesn't care. He'll you're you're a little bit. No matter how big your pile is, it's yeah. just a little bit. So, so, so would you, I'm sorry. Yeah, ahead. so it sounds like you're saying, so most of us in real estate, we have great tools, like I mentioned, to generate a lar- large sums of money. Yeah. But it's the planning and what we do with the money afterwards. Absolutely. And having a plan. So you said you have a system that looks at the overall picture on where the money is going, mm-hmm. how to manage it. Maybe you put it in this one vehicle versus another. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like just looking at your financial, um, your financials and as a holistic system, not just, hey, I'm making a bunch of money. That's correct. Right, okay. I wanna, you said it's called wanna, e-money? Yeah. I wanna, I wanna, yeah. Uh, so you're basically saying the strategy to, um, to get the money is different than the strategy to distribute the money when you're when you're when you're gone, is, which, is that what well, you were saying? Or, or, or he was saying because he, he's he's really talking about. So what, so our strategy right now is to acquire as many homes as possible, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. And we're trying to get as much wealth as possible. Yeah. Right. But we got to think about when we transition from here, not not just in retirement. Right. Uh, he's talking about when we transition if we pass mm-hmm. away. Right. Uh, Not if we will. Yeah, well, when we pass away, right? When we pass away, uh, being able to keep the money in the family uh, versus Mm -hmm. you paying these estate taxes. Uh, Estate. uh, uh, Right. All of that. Absolutely. There's really three phases. There's the acquisition of wealth and the accumulation of wealth. Mm -hmm. There's the distribution for your use when you stop working, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's the transference of that wealth. Um, I don't believe people die dead even. They either have wealth or they have nothing, right? Mm-hmm. There's right. no in-between. Right. So if you have it, who do you really want to impact it? Because wealth that's a, accumulated has a, has a longer longevity than we do, mm-hmm. right? It lasts beyond our years. So do you want control of that? I mean, you've worked years, decades to right. acquire this, and you're proud of what you've done, and then you just let it go away and let yeah. somebody else make the choice? Right. You let the state decide what's going to happen? You let the state decide this this relative or that one because you didn't do a will or a trust? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's what you're saying, and mm-hmm. you trust them to make those decisions for you when right. you choose not to do it. Right. Go ahead. 
No. <laughs> uh, I was going to go to a question about, so a lot of um, realtors, one of the biggest things, or like any self-employed business owner, a lot of people are confused between what are the benefits from a financial standpoint of an LLC versus like an S-Corp. Mm-hmm. And that's the question we get the most. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? You know, I don't know that it's a versus, actually. Right. Um, you know, it, it's... The whole idea about LLC, it, it, that's an entity, right? Right. Um, well, technically, an S-Corp is an entity along with a C-Corp and right. so forth. Um, and the idea is to provide protection of liability and so forth, right? right? You want to separate business from personal. So if something happens on the personal side or on, on the business side, they can't attach your, your personal assets and so forth. Right. So. It's all designed for protection, right? Right. Um, an LLC can also, because right. it's a way in which how you file your taxes as well. Right. So you either, as an LLC, you're going to file, again, i got to put a disclaimer in, I'm not a CPA, I'm not, right. <laughs> so I don't do taxes, right. but I know tax strategy, right? right? I have to do that. And also, I'm not an attorney, so I don't write yeah. wills and trusts, so I get that disclaimer. But... The idea of an LLC for that protection, you're either going to file as a sole proprietor, which it's passed through, right? Whatever you earn passes through to your personal and you're taxed at the personal rate. Right. The S-Corp can be attached to the LLC. So it's not a, it's not an either or. It can be that and again. Right. And you attach the two together and it affords you some options and opportunities for tax savings strategies, the right. protection that we've talked about retirement planning, tax deductions, things that you write off and so forth. So I don't know that it's a versus, more of an appropriate strategy that should be added to self-employed people to protect what you're building, especially building tangible assets that have the opportunity, if you will, for some liability issues of people falling, hurting on the properties that you own. Right. So if if you were going to set up a new company right now, which... Mm -hmm. um, which one would you choose? Which entity? Well, more than likely, I'd go with the LLC as an S corp. Right. See, this, the idea of a C corp, um, those are for larger companies, and you want to acquire assets and, and, and uh, an influx of money through either issuing stocks mm-hmm. or bonds, right? So C corps allow you that, and then there's double taxation. So let's just take that off the table. Right. It's really, as a uh, small business, you're looking at an S-Corp or LLC um, type of situation. Right. And it would be LLC with the S-Corp tax filing. And why why do you do that? Well, what it allows is a separation for the protection that we talked about, but also from the advantages that it can afford me for for retirement planning strategies, tax planning, writing off um, the, uh, expenses, um, you know, when I, uh, entertain a client or if I have to buy a coffee machine or I pay rent at a, at a new location down on Woodward, you know, all those <laughs> things that, right. that, uh, I'm paying as an expense, I can write off on my taxes then. So, and with an S-Corp, correct me if I'm wrong, S-Corp, you as the owner, you can also be a, an employee. That's right. And you can determine how much you want to say is salary versus a distribution or whatever. Yeah. Right. And there's some real, uh, that's really good, Reginald, because right. um, 
you're required to actually right. with the S Corp have a certain level of salary. There's an expectation of that. Right. And so what isn't salary and what's in through distribution then doesn't uh, get taxed for the Social Security purposes. Right. Which, um, because as self-employed, we're paying both sides of that, right? Right. We're the 15.3%. So um, if it's coming as a distribution that's not through the salary, we don't have to pay the Social Security tax right. on that. So it's a, a savings, if you So will. it's the, it's the self-employment tax, right? Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, so when everybody's setting up these LLCs mm-hmm. and that's like the end thing, but maybe, and especially depending on how much money you're making, mm-hmm. you might want to file your taxes as an S-corp um, and then pay yourself mm-hmm. a salary. Yeah. But then when you pay yourself a salary, you got to do withholdings, right? That's right. Yeah. So that becomes, that's where the issue comes with not having the proper um, tools in place because a lot of people miss out on paying those withholding taxes mm-hmm. and then they get in trouble. So I'm trying to get an understanding of the LLC combined with an S-corp. So some people just do an LLC mm-hmm. and some people just do an S-corp. Mm-hmm. What, how, why do I combine them both? What does it protect me from? Uh Getting sued and and uh, people attaching your personal if if you don't have an S corp or an LLC the, the two are almost synonymous it's um, the LLC was added uh, when was it the S corp was added back in nineteen fifty six nineteen fifty eight somewhere in there at, for small businesses to you know to build that structure and so forth. LLC is a more recent development, and it's still actually in transition. If you do any reading on it, the IRS hasn't really determined is it, you know, where it stands. So they almost throw it out there um, to attach uh, as a way to protect small businesses as well. So wait, just to clarify that, because mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is because this is why you mentioned having an attorney and a there CPA, it is. Right yeah. there. because. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a couple of times the LLC and S-Corp to detach yourself from the personal liability, but then you also have to make a decision based on taxes. So one is for the legal part of it, and one mm-hmm. is for the tax That's right. benefits. And, and the, right? so the, I guess kind of what he's saying is if you just do the LLC, then and then you're just doing it as a as a pass-through, uh, you, it, it, they can still— um, were to get sued, they can still come after your personal assets. No, not exactly right. If, On if, the LLC, you have the protection. The issue is that you can be a sole proprietor mm-hmm. with the LLC, mm-hmm. and so you're not going to get all the tax filing benefits that you could get with the S-Corp. So there right. is a, a difference there. So there's right. a, a benefit to put the two together. Right. The tax okay. benefit, yeah. not, a, not, a, not a liability benefit. Correct. The, it's going to be the same pretty that's much. That's right. Okay. The yep. liability benefit is the same. The LLC and the S-Corp liability is the same. The tax benefit is the difference. Yep. Okay. Okay, that explains it. All right. Makes sense? Yeah. So, so I, got I got a different strategy, though, but we're we talking another day. No, no we're I, I want to hear about it right now. No, my strategy is way different. I mean... I'm no my my strategy. Is <laughs> All right. So, um, question about like retirement mm-hmm. retirement planning. So, I remember everybody was selling mutual funds. Every mm-hmm. 
But it was like, put $25 a month in a mutual fund mm-hmm. when you're in your 20s, and by the time you retire, you'll be a millionaire. And then people were selling, you know, everybody that's employed got a 401k, mm-hmm. and then some, some people have an IRA. Mm-hmm. But then there's the SEP IRA for mm-hmm. self-employed people, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Can you explain exactly how that works and what the benefits are compared to um, other options out there? Sure. Um, so a SEP plan um, right. is technically an IRA. Right. Right. And it's afforded to uh, self-employed individuals and it allows you to put uh, dollars away on a free tax basis. So you don't have to uh, pay tax on those dollars. Right. And, and currently uh, it's 25 percent of your income um, right. up to sixty one thousand dollars, depending on your age. Right. Because um, there's also catch up provisions and so forth. Um. The debate comes to, and it's a very simple thing to establish. It's right. almost like, you know, you can go to the bank and open an IRA, provided your income and, and so forth. And that's determined not by the bank, if you will, but by your, when you file with your CPA, right? right? Um, the question comes down to, depending on how much money you make, there are other alternatives, such right. as uh, a solo 401k. So if you don't have employees, instead of 61000 it's potential that you could put an additional $366,000 away, depending on how much you make. And when you put it away, what I'm really saying is that money doesn't get taxed today. And as long, whatever investment that you choose to have it in, because basically you would notify the IRS that the account that it sets in, whether it's stock, a CD, a money market account, a mutual fund, and uh, ETF, whatever growth that I have in that account until I retire, you're not going to tax on the growth. Okay. So you get accumulation. So you get growth on your investment, growth on the money that is usually taxed, right? Mm-hmm, and right. then all that compounds. So a lot of it comes down to simplicity, you know, the size of your business. Is it just you or is it others? Right. Um, how much money you make and so forth. So a SEP is a very simple solution. If you're making a whole lot right. and you want to put more away, um, maybe a, a solo K with a cash balance plan that's added to it that allows you to put hundreds of thousands of away right. on a tax preferred basis. So it, is, you know? is any of the contributions deductible with the SEP or the solo? Well, Yes. Okay. Because when I say they're free tax, right, it's the same thing as if they were deductible. They okay. don't. They're not included on your income. Okay. So let's say you made a hundred thousand and you put twenty thousand away in your set. Right. You get basically your income is going to be eighty thousand. Right. Taxable. Taxable. Right. Yeah. So is that similar to the self-directed IRA, which you're um, explaining? An IRA is is the. Uh, the vehicle, mm-hmm. right? And it's basically okay. just identifies to the government mm-hmm. that this has got a special tax status. So different IRAs. Yeah. And self self-directed just means what kind of role do you want to play in it? I wanna yeah. I wanna invest in X, Y, or Z and mm-hmm. I'm gonna make the choices or I'm gonna have an, an advisor. Gotcha. So let me so you gave an example. So someone making a hundred thousand, 
they put twenty thousand in their IRA, but and they're only getting set. taxed yeah. and they're set. Yeah. And they're getting taxed on um, eighty instead of the hundred. Yep. So they pretty much save some tax savings there. Mm-hmm. But the what priority. about when they retire and they start taking the money out? Is it taxed in? Yes, it is. It's okay. going to be taxed at your then interest or your uh, then tax rate. Right. I have a question. So it's deferred, not saved. Well, you them, so but you you're making deferred. money on that twenty right. though That's as right. it's going. Right. But so, you're still going to pay taxes say, on it. You just yeah. deferred the taxes that you're going to pay. On I it. have a question. Sure. Why, why do I care if it's right now or later? Well, there, there's always been an argument, Janita, about whether or not are you going to pay more taxes in retirement or less, right? So, and there always seems to be a shift, especially with who's in office, right? Mm-hmm. Is it the Dems or the Republicans? Right. And there's always a shift going back and forth. So higher tax brackets— so if you're earning a lot now and you're in a higher tax racket today, um, do I want the deduction thinking that when I retire, will I be paying less taxes, right? Conversely, if I'm in a lower tax racket and I think, you know, maybe I'm going to be in the same tax racket in the future. Right. Maybe a Roth, which allows, I'm not going to write it off today, but all the growth is tax-free, and when I take it out, it's tax-free. I'm not going to pay any tax ever on that. Right. So there's almost like this tax arbitrage that right. that you look at doing, and and that's why it's so important to have a relationship because as things change, you can adapt and adjust accordingly and make tweaks and mm-hmm. twists to it um, mm-hmm. as right. time goes on. So it sounds like I need to make a decision do I want the tax benefits now or do I want them later when mm-hmm. maybe I won't have the type of income later that yeah. I have now in the same tax bracket? I'll give you a great example. We have a, a client who uh, was in uh, one tax bracket, and, and they, they do quite well. Um, and they had a lot of accumulated money in IRAs. And one of the things that we were looking at doing was, well, let's start converting some of those IRAs to Roths which would require them to pay the tax on the distribution, but right. then I'm going to put a new designation on it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then never pay tax on those dollars again. Right. And we wanted them to put more contributions into the Roth. Well, he did a job change, got a promotion. His income level went up a whole new tax bracket. The game changed. Right. Let's take the deduction today. Right. Because he's going to, we pretty well know that, where their goals are for income are le- far less than what they're making today. I mean, significantly less. Right. Let's let's take the deduction today and then convert in the future. Right. So it, it's something back to the only thing we can guarantee is change. And we have to be nimble enough to adapt to those changes and take advantage. Right. Just like in real estate. I mean, you yeah. know, mortgage rates go up, mortgage rates go down, uh Inventory goes up, inventory right. goes down. All that's happening. We got to adjust, mm-hmm. and, and you do that, right? So, as it fits your financial situation, it's not a set it and forget it, right? Can you have both the Roth and the SEP? Absolutely. Oh, there you but go. But you again. can't do a SEP Roth, right? But you can have. So, if I'm making eighty or one hundred and fifty thousand, I can go set up a SEP and a Roth if I'm self-employed. Depends on if you're married or not, because then there's income limitations on okay. being able to establish the Roth. So 
all these, you know, it's one big financial jigsaw puzzle. We got to okay. be able to fit all that into your situation. So right. if you're married, it's one level. Single, it's another. Okay. Um, so let's use this as self-employed, individual, no employees. Maybe you do the solo K. It's an individual 401k because then you could have a Roth in that solo K. You can't have a Roth in the South and then it doesn't matter how much money you make. With the 401k, is there a certain amount that you are allowed to contribute to it per year? Yes. There's limitations. There's limitations to all this, Janita, whether it's Mm -hmm. just a plain old IRA, a SEP, a simple IRA, uh, 401k. Right. If you're a person wanting to catch up. Which one is the better um, contribution to be able to put the most in per year? So, depending on what kind of plan that you're involved in, um, like a simple plan, which is set up by a a small business, right? Right. And and the employer provides the plan. If you're over the age of 50, your catch-up is like $3,000. If it's a 401k, your catch-up is 6000 Yeah. If it's an IRA, your catch-up is 1000 So, I mean, there's... It depends. Yeah. It depends. It depends. It depends. And it depends for but real. But it sounds like even with that scenario that you just gave or the example, the 401k... The solo 401k? This, yeah, okay. the one that you can contribute to almost the most per year. Yes, but, right, there's mm-hmm. always the but. Right. Do you have employees? Because then you have to look at contributions, and then you got to look at contributions limits, and then there's more filing, and then there's more expense. So oh, yeah. there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving parts. But for, a, for yeah. a lot of real estate agents, they don't have employees necessarily. Mm-hmm. And maybe they didn't get a chance to invest when they were 20. Maybe they're not investing until they're 45. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, yeah, you know, so, like, that's kind of more so I'm thinking, like, okay, if we have a real estate agent somewhere and they're already, like, 50 and they're like, dang, you know, uh, what can I do to play catch up? You know, which one might be the better, you know, advice to go push Yeah, I got something to say about that. The end is the answer, right? So you wouldn't just be doing—there is no perfect— Do you want to be a financial advisor? No, I don't. (laughs) Yes, you know. I am— No. Um, there is no perfect answer. It just kind of depends on what uh, your goals at the end of your, you know, what you want your yeah. goals to be. Yeah. Right. Um, You're spot on. Uh, but, you, but the end, so and real estate investment and what he's talking yeah. about and I, something I want to talk about, uh, which I'm sure you know a lot about, is the um, uh, life insurance piece mm-hmm. and how you mm-hmm. can um, put money or, away there uh, to transfer that wealth. Yeah. Tax so, free. And annuities too. We gotta talk about yeah. that. And temporary one tax exchange. So wait a minute. So let me, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me take a quick quick break and talk to our audience. So for some reason, real estate professionals, whether you're an appraiser, contractor, inspector, if people think that once you become self-employed, there's no benefits out there. Like I know a lot of people yeah. that don't have health insurance. You can still get health insurance. Um there's plans out I there mean, for Medicaid, health insurance. one of the best ones. I don't um, and then <laughs> um, people think, oh, I quit my job and got into real estate, and what's going to happen to my 401k? But you can still go Try out and get over. a solo 401k mm-hmm. or a SEP. You can still contribute to retirement. So yes. when you get that $6,000 commission check, maybe you put $600 mm-hmm. or, or $2,400 or whatever into your retirement plan, 
And it don't have to be, oh, I'm just out here winging it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, but I know, think that's why I was asking about the maximum contribution for the retirement plan in particular. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Because some people, I mean, I'm one of those people, you know, like sometimes I'll think like, okay, well, what am I going to go put? I, I would prefer to just be able to go dump some money into it and go away. Yeah. Because well, I'm a real estate agent. Well, you know, and <laughs> then when we when we make money like off your rental properties or whatever, right? And you put that money away, you're probably going to try to buy another property. But you can also put a portion of that towards your retirement. So it's growing in real estate and it's constantly growing in these other vehicles yeah. as well. The yeah. end. Yeah. Everything. The end. Interestingly enough, though, you talk about the maximums. Mm-hmm. The toughest thing is getting people started. Because mm-hmm. yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we have this immediate gratification. People want to do, I want it now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you'll pay, people will pay their bills, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll pay their cable. Got to have my cable. Got to pay my, mm-hmm. got to pay my cell phone. Mm-hmm. But most people try to save what's left over at the, so the Brian account is the last thing that gets paid. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it should be the first bill that's paid. So when you talk about you make a $6,000 commission. Right. Your first slice off that right. should be you, then uncle, right? Right. Set aside your tax. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and, and if you follow the book, you know, that, that 40, 40, yeah. 30, right? Yeah. Or the 40, 40, 20, right? Yeah. Uh, if you follow 30, 30, 30. that, um, you're going to be okay. But within that is you got to have a bill that's got your name at the top. Mm. No, wait, let me clarify that because when we say pay yourself first, Don't it doesn't necessarily right mean, oh, I'm a, if I made six thousand, I'm gonna give myself five thousand and then pay everything else, right? <laughs> out of the thousand. It means take take you first and invest it in you. So yeah. maybe mm-hmm. you put it into your retirement account yeah. or you put it into your investment account that yeah. you're saving up for real estate. And then you pay Uncle Sam, and then you pay your bills. When I get my red bottle, or yeah. or you go, you get or your, after, your, after, your, after you retire, yeah, yeah. Or, or the investment first is take the money before you do any of that stuff. In yep. my opinion, is go get you a CPA and an attorney, make that investment first, because yeah. Uncle Sam doesn't have to make as much money as you pay. He don't have to be second. Right. Uh, or he can be second, but the amount of money that you're giving him second doesn't have to be oh, right. more than mm-hmm. Yeah, he got, yeah so, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so you need to get you a, uh, um, some, a financial planner, mm-hmm. a CPA, a team, invest in that team so that you have a strategy when you get that $6,000. Yeah. So when it comes to like the retirement um, things, I think sometimes it just depends on who you're getting your advice from. So if maybe, you know, you have... Um, people who have are well versed in finances, mm-hmm. you know, maybe have some of those tools that Shaka are already talking about for themselves personally, and maybe you're taking advice from them. And and so I'm bringing this up because I'm talking about me. But um, a lot of times when I go to these people um, who have the knowledge, they say, "Well, you're already doing the right thing." Because I, I put a lot of my money into real estate, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like, "Well, why?" The question that I'm posed a lot of times, well, why do you want to go and do a, a IRA or a 401k? It just seems like that's not the best scenario. That's what I've been hearing. Like, you know, you should just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and that's a great point. Um, the, the thing about real estate compared to other investments and so forth, we, we have a liquidity issue, right? So, you, you may not be able to sell it immediately. 
Now, you may not want to. It's generating the income. And, but with the income, are you spending all of that? Or do you still have a cash reserve? Do you still have funds that you're setting aside for um, the those inevitabilities that we don't want to have happen, but our health as we get older, so long-term care in retirement and medical expenses in retirement. Do we have, are we building a, um, a, a slush fund, if you will, to provide for that in addition to the health care that we, that we require, Medicare and so forth? So having retirement funds has a greater liquidity um, source and taxation, right? right? Depending on whether you're using Roth or, or non-Roth type of retirement assets to supplement the things that you're doing. Um, with real estate, unless there's a huge surplus of cash flow from rents that you're receiving that is above your standard of living that you're saving, that, that sinking fund for healthcare or whatever is is gotta be accessible and liquid, right? Right. A retirement fund can provide that. So again, this comes back to the blessing of and it don't disrupt your retirement plan or your your retirement your your uh, real estate plan, but supplement it. Because mm-hmm. that can help you today to have more money in your pocket to buy more real estate, right? If I'm paying less tax today, I have more cash flow exactly. today. So everything is tied together. I mean, we talked about there's the accumulation, there's the distribution, and then there's the transference. You got to put a force field around it. And that force field is protection, right? You got to protect against illness, liability, death, disability, long-term care, all those things. You got to protect against bad decision makers in your family. Yeah. One one of the things I think about, I always think about this when I'm investing. So I look at, okay, if I pass away and my family needed money immediately, how much is in the bank? How much is in stocks? Because they can sell that and liquidate that today if they wanted to, right? Um, With a house, it's going to take some time to sell that house, Mm -hmm. depending on the market. But on the flip side, the stocks can drop 20% in a day or two versus that house is going to drop gradually, right? So you have to balance that out. And I think about how each individual in my family, how would my daughter react, how would my wife react if a situation came up. So I'm investing based on that also. I mean, I want the best opportunities, but I'm also thinking about, because they're not, they're not in this field, so they don't understand how to move in this. And then, like, I know people that just trade stock options if something happened to them and they're in the middle of a trade that expires in two months, it's over. Yeah. They family don't mm-hmm. know how to do it. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's there's your creating wealth, like you mentioned earlier, but then there's also the management of it. And who in your family is smart enough to manage any of this, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the mm-hmm. stocks, real estate. Yeah. Cause we you know, we see it all the time. People get Grandma's house. And they they like, grandma's oh, house. I'm gonna refinance it. I'm mm-hmm. gonna do this, and mm-hmm. next thing you know, it's on share sale. You like, yeah. damn. But look, I think so. I think insurance. the big thing, it, insurance. Right. So, so for me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask your opinion. Right. So for me, Reggie, what what gives me solace in that is understanding 
I'm, I'm a huge believer in life insurance. Life insurance. I, I love You know I what I mean? Fact, like, yeah. I feel like, like, simple, that's, like that's, yeah. Yeah. that's the simplest thing. Yeah. Like, everything I mentioned, yep. like, that's the ultimate backup mm-hmm. for me, right? That's it. Because yep. that, yep. So, for me, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, if I leave, obviously, they can, you know, uh, I'm trying to get my son in it now, but they don't know how to run the businesses that I run, right? Uh, they're not, um, you know, I try to include mm-hmm. them as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I need to get as much life insurance as I can yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to to make sure that they have that money. And that is liquid. You get yeah. that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. that's you, free. Yeah, yeah. Tax, and that's the that's the major thing. Yeah. And then people don't understand. Well, you can you can talk about mm-hmm. more about the the different types of life insurance that you can get because people don't understand that they have the cash uh, uh, value life insurance yeah. policies. But you can talk yeah. about them yeah. a little bit more. Um, so I, here, my belief is this, um, life insurance is that can create an instant legacy, right? Right. I mean, you think about it, take yeah. your income, multiply that by how many years you think you're going to work. Right. So even at, if you're at a hundred thousand in income, I like using simple round mm-hmm. numbers and you're going to work another 30 years, so there's $3 million without any increases in productivity, right? That's right. $3 million. Right. You got to almost think of that as accounts receivable because mm-hmm. that was our family's money. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I go today, that accounts receivable should still get paid, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because my family was counting on that for what they were going to do, the experiences they were going to have, mm-hmm. the family. Right. And it's a, it's a small trade off. The dollar that you spend to acquire a, a, a large amount of protection mm-hmm. is quite something. The issue is that. <laughs> We're I know we're indestructible, right? Yeah. We're not going to die. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. Or here's the one I always hear, and especially as men that say this, yeah. I'm worth more dead than alive. Well, if you don't value yourself that way, right. that your family's going to, that the grief that they go through and mm-hmm. so forth, that's ridiculous to, right. to hear that as an argument. I think um, that too comes from nobody left us anything. Yeah. So we, we sometime in our mind, we feel like, why should I have to? Pay this amount to leave somebody more than what they what we perceive they need, right? They're all mm-hmm. right. So the older you get and the older your kids are, you feel yeah. like, oh, they'll make it on their own. But that's the, that's a selfish way to think. But I would think you should be selfish in this way, Reggie. Okay. You know what? You're building your net worth. Yep. And you you work hard for that, right? Right. Be selfish with that. Because if you choose not to protect it, who's going to get it? And insurance is a great way to protect the taxes that are owed, the transference of that wealth, the continuation, the education. So your your kids and the people that you love and care for, if you love somebody, you need life insurance. Exactly. Period. Exactly. Bars. Can you talk a little bit about the different... Um, types of life insurance yeah. policies, like yeah. coal so, and term, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So let, let's use real estate as an example. Term, right. so term, you think of a, a period of time. Right. It is a term of time. That's like renting. As long as I pay my premium, I have protection. Right. So, and it makes sense to do that. Either I have cash flow issues and I want to protect a period of time. Right. I'm raising my kids, Right. Right. I got to get them out of the house, send them out to school, right? right? As long as they're in the house, I'm protecting them. Um, or I want to cover a mortgage or a liability or something like that. So 
if something happens to me, I don't have to leave my family with that with that liability. So term is like renting. As long as I pay, I have it. And the interesting thing is, it's over 90% of term policies expire before you do. Mm-hmm. Insurance companies are in the business to make money, right? right? They're going to make money on life insurance. And so they don't pay claims on over 90% of the term policies. Wow. All right? That's not, that's not that's not a bad thing. But no. it gave you yeah, peace of mind. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. insurance. Yeah, it gave you peace of mind. Just like your auto insurance. Right. I mean, you hope you don't mm-hmm. use that one. Right. right. Yeah. Now, permanent insurance. Mm-hmm. There's different kinds of permanent insurance, and they have a cash value. So that's like owning a house. You build equity in it, right? Right. Depending on how your involvement is, you can either say, let the insurance company decide where it's invested, and they'll invest it in themselves. And how they manage money. And they a lot of these companies have been around for hundreds of years. They got great management, but right. it's very slow, low growth, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe you're a little more adventurous or have an appetite for more risk. You can invest in indices or you can invest in mutual funds. So those are called either indexed universal life mm-hmm. policies that cash value that you have choices on. Right. Or there's variable that allow you to invest in things. So, wait, let me back up for our listeners. So, if I buy term, let's say I buy a 15-year policy, the premium stays the same for 15 years, and I'm going to get paid whatever that that value amount is, right? The the policy amount. The death benefit. Right. Benefit, right? But with the other avenues... Um, is the premium typically a little higher? It's going to be higher. So, we, um, right. I'm sorry to cut you off, but right. I, we got to pause. Oh, yeah, for a break. Yep. All right. Oh. 